Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Welcome. My name is Caroline Moasasi, and I'm FACT's Roundtable podcast host. I'm honored to take on this role with FACT, as I'm also a passionate allergy and asthma advocate on the national and international level, a parent of children with food allergies, and the founder of GratefulFoodie.com. We are going to take a deep dive into how to avoid the pitfalls of bad information shared on social media. We're also going to learn how to vet out sources and discover how to responsibly and safely use social media. Dave Stuckus is an associate professor of pediatrics in the Division of Allergy and Immunology at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, where he serves as the director of the Food Allergy Treatment Center. Dr. Stuckus is heavily involved in professional organizations and serves as the social media editor for the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. He uses social media through his professional account on Twitter and Instagram, at AllergyKidsDoc, to disseminate evidence-based information and combat misinformation found online. Welcome, Dr. Dave. We always appreciate having you on our show, and we really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. Dr. Dave, you're known in the food allergy community as a social media guru. Can you explain how you became our food allergy and asthma social media expert and the head of social media for the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology? I'm flattered by that, uh, by your wonderful comments. Thank you. But, you know, I, I got involved in social media in 2013. And the reason I got involved was I'd done a lot of work with misconceptions and sort of myths. I was doing some myth busting in regards to allergy misconceptions. And I was hearing a lot of the same wrong information over and over again from uh, patients and families and referring physicians and the stuff I was reading online. And as social media, you know, it started well over a decade ago, but it was actually my brother-in-law who said, you know, Dave, you should, you should take the work you're doing and you should join Twitter. And I'll never forget, I looked at him and I said, you know, what the heck is Twitter? <laughs> and then I, I learned a little bit more and I went to our hospital and they were extremely supportive of me joining social media as a medical professional. Uh, and that's when, you know, at Allergy Kids Dog was born. And the reason I joined social media in the first place was the same reason I'm out there now. It's really because there is just so much misinformation that is floating around online. And it's just, it, it's really scary stuff. And it, it is impacting the way people are making medical decisions that impact themselves and their loved ones. Uh, so I wanted to try my absolute best to be a trusted source of information, uh, evidence-based information to talk about why evidence matters and why science matters and why anecdotes do not equate to evidence and, and really combat some of these, you know, various myths one by one. And it just, it sort of fit pretty well with my personality in general of just trying to understand 
both sides of something and, and try to explain things in a way that makes sense to, to people from various backgrounds, regardless of their underlying educational level of knowledge. And uh, frankly, I, I have a lot of fun with it. That's what social media is all about, right? It's, it's you know, sort of uh, gelling your personality along with the information you're trying to put out in the world. And it's been so valuable for me to get involved. And I learn so much from the general public and the patients that are online. I take that information and that feedback back to my patients in the office. I learn from my patients. I take the common questions I get in the office. I take it online. It's really this wonderful symbiotic relationship where I see myself really as sort of just the vector to try to relay information to all kinds of different audiences on, on different levels. And then with the Academy, I actually interviewed uh, to become the website medical editor. Uh, and during the interview process, social media was part of that. They actually created a position just for me, which was amazing. And so they split it. So Andrew Moore is the website medical editor, and I've been the social media medical editor for the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, Immunology since 2018, which is great. So I help them with you know social media strategies and the Twitter account, our live Twitter chats, everything that we do from the annual meeting. I started my own podcast. I'm not. I take that back. Not my own podcast. I am the producer and host of the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, Immunology's podcast that we started uh, late in 2018. And I think we have 29 episodes that are, are ready to be listened to. Uh, so there's a long answer to your very short question, but it's fun. <laughs> well, we're glad you're having fun and congratulations on having a position created just for you. But you did mention credible sources. So how does the average person figure out what's a credible source? I mean, I go on Twitter and I see accounts that look highly professional, but how do I actually vet that out? What steps should I take? Yeah, it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult and people know how to sort of take advantage of, you know, making themselves look credible when they're not. So there's people that are doing it intentionally. There's people that are doing it unintentionally as well. And it, it's really important for people to understand some key aspects of that. So one is, you know, what does the account look like? Is it an anonymous account from somebody with a handle that doesn't make any sense that has very few followers? They probably don't deserve your attention. That's probably not very credible. Uh, they may be credible, but they're just not they're not you know, promoting themselves that way. Is it a professional organization where you can actually look them up and look at their website uh, and look in, and see the information that they're putting out there? If it's an individual, sort of what credentials do they have? You know, if it's a medical professional such as myself, we should be linking to our bios on our either our academic institutions or our practice websites. You should be able to find information about us very easily just by doing searches about any research that we've published or other information that we sort of put out there. And then ultimately, regardless of the source, there's some simple questions that we can all ask ourselves. So if people are making specific medical claims, the first question is, what is the you know, experience of the person or, or organization making the claim? Can they be trusted? You know, I'm an allergist and immunologist. If I'm out there spouting stuff about, you know, seizures and things like that, you'd say, well, it might be outside of your lane there, Dave. What are your, you know, what are your qualifications to actually comment on things like that? So what's their actual qualifications? Two, what does the evidence show? So people who are just touting all the benefits, 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 or you have to do it this way, but there's no discussion at all of any risk. And by the way, there's risk with everything. Or there's no discussion of the actual evidence that supports their claims. That's a big red flag. And then it gets even more difficult because not all evidence is created the same. And a lot of people will use things like YouTube videos, uh, websites, uh, Wikipedia, their own blog post, or these small studies done in lab rats or Petri dishes as 
uh, quote unquote evidence to support their claims. But that's very different than somebody that actually has a, a big meta-analysis that pulls the results from various studies or these randomized controlled clinical trials that got published in journals that underwent peer review. So it's understanding just the quality of evidence matters. But really going through of if the person doesn't show that they're qualified, then you shouldn't believe what they have to say. If they can't provide any evidence that supports their claim or talk about any other alternatives other than what they're claiming, if they happen to be selling products or services, that's a huge red flag. Because if they're trying to give you the information uh, and it directly links to a product that they're trying to sell you, that's a huge conflict of interest that they're not really, you know, explicitly stating. And I would say run the other way. You know, those are some big, some big things to start with. Thank you. Those are very actionable steps that, you know, we can all take a look at and really use because it gets hard trying to sort out, well, what was fact? What was fiction? You know, people speak with such strong conviction. I think as humans, we just have this natural reaction to it thinking, well, they must know what they're talking about because they're, you know, saying it so firmly. So I really appreciate you providing all those different steps and all those different elements. What do you think is the biggest social media mistake that we might make? Honestly, I I see a lot of folks using anecdotes um, as evidence. So there's a lot of personal stories out there. Social media is great because it it can connect people from across the world in real time, especially for people who have chronic health conditions that are really seeking these social networks for support. It's extremely valuable for that. But nobody should ever be offering specific individual medical advice to somebody else through social media. I can't do that. I get people asking me several times a week, what do you think this rash is? What do you think these symptoms? or do things like that. I would love to help all these people, but I can't. It's against the law, frankly. You're not my patient. Even for my own patients, I can't provide them individual medical advice through social media. It violates their personal privacy. Plus, I don't have the opportunity to do a complete medical history, take a full physical exam, uh, and really discuss shared decision-making about the most likely diagnosis and or treatment options. So anybody who's offering individual medical advice, regardless of their background, that's a huge problem. And it's something that really is not okay. I see a lot of folks posting questions on social media saying, what do you think I should do to treat this? And people are more than happy to offer their opinions. Most of these people have no medical qualifications whatsoever, and yet they're still offering specific advice based upon either their own experience or something that they may have read or something a friend of a friend of a friend told them. That to me is a huge problem. uh, And I would love to see that really curbed in a massive way. You know, we see that, I see that a lot on social media too. And and it is our natural inclination to want to answer, but I also think there has to be that follow-up and please talk to your doctor. Yes. I, yeah. And that's what I do. I always I say, you know, unfortunately, I'm unable to provide any individual medical advice through social media. I encourage you to address all specific concerns with your own personal physician who understands, his, the, understands the nuances pertaining to your care. Thanks for understanding my limitations. So yeah, it's, I've said that hundreds of times. <laughs> and you'll be saying it more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now how do you suggest to listeners, how, what is the best way that they can use social media? How can they use this to their advantage? Oh, I think it, it, everybody has to think, you know, why are you out there? What's, what's your purpose? Um, are you looking for funny memes? That's great. That's a great way to use social media, especially now during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's a good distraction. So are you looking for information? If you're looking for information, then I, I would say you have to kind of take it upon yourself to educate yourself in a way that you follow the right accounts and the right people. 
because there's a lot of misinformation out there. I think we are all responsible for the information that we post and the information that we share. Uh, there's a ton of misinformation, especially now during this COVID-19 pandemic. And a lot of it's frankly quite dangerous. And anybody out there, even if you have good intentions, if you're just posting information that isn't vetted or evidence-based uh, that could potentially harm somebody, you're liable for that. And you have a responsibility to be a good practitioner of social media. So I think everybody just needs to think about why am I out there? What am I trying to get out of this? On that side, this is something that I struggle with. And I think everybody does. You know, social media was created for a reason. It was created by hackers. That was their background. They know how to manipulate the human psyche. That was the entire reason social media was created in the first place. And they're very good at it. And as a result, all of us are addicted to our phones in some way, shape, or form. And that's a real problem. So uh, something that I struggle with and I work very hard to try to, to counter and counterbalance is I interact with social media on my terms. What is my mindset? Do I have the time to do this? Am I in a place where it's not going to distract me from interacting with my children or my wife or the conversation at hand? Um, I choose when and how I interact with it, which means I turn off all notifications. I'm not going to have Twitter ping me every time somebody sends me a question or notification. I will go when I'm good and ready. And then, you know, you sort of, you have to balance your own time and everybody has to do this their own way. Something I just started doing in the last actually week or so, which has made a huge impact. I never realized how big this would be. I don't take my phone into the bedroom anymore. I sleep, I, our bedroom's upstairs on the second floor. I leave the phone downstairs to charge overnight and then I go up because before I'm brushing my teeth, oh, let's just log on and see what's happening on social media. Let's just log on real fast while I climb into bed. Well, then 30 minutes later, I'm staring at this bright screen uh, and it's just stimulating my brain to stay awake, stay awake, stay awake and look for more and more and more and more. So it's delaying when I actually go to sleep and then it's interfering with my body's ability to actually get restful sleep. So that's a one small thing, but it's made a huge difference in my own life. You know, so true about the phone. I have been <laughs> consciously doing this. Actually, we've been consciously doing this in our home with putting the phones up because all of a sudden you look at the clock and you've been there an hour. Mm -hmm. You're like, what if I just looked at? So really good point, especially now during the pandemic where sleep is a big issue. I think that was a really um, excellent and important point. So based on social media and again, going, using it at times that were awkward, what um, is your social media pet peeve? I think it, it, a lot of it has to do with the anecdotes, but really it's the misinformation. Um, that's the reason I joined social media in the first place. And there are times that I just get so frustrated, I want to scream because it's a never-ending, vast wasteland of nonsense. And as a, as a medical professional, I can spot it very easily. Plus, you know, I've been doing this long enough, and um, you know, I actually have a textbook that I wrote to help educate other, so, other medical professionals about social media best practices. We have a curriculum that we started in my institution that I teach medical students and residents. So I actively work you know, all the time to try to promote my own best practices on social media and really help understand how to educate others. So I can spot it from a mile away, but I know that others can't. Um, and it, it's taken me a long time to get there. And that just drives me nuts because there is so much nonsense out there. And if we could somehow filter that away, we might actually be able to have some meaningful conversations uh, that don't get interrupted by these distractions. And it can be distracting. It can be so much fun and very distracting. Now, is there anything else that you would like listeners to know about using social media responsibly? 
Yeah, I, I think it goes back to a lot of what we talked about of just thinking through, you know, what information are you sharing and why? Um, it's one thing to pass along, you know, funny memes of kittens and, and stuff like that. But uh, especially now with the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a lot of really harmful suggestions that are being touted, you know, even by, you know, people in very large positions that, you know, don't have medical backgrounds. And if we're reposting that or sharing that information, that makes us part of the problem. The other thing I think we have to talk about, because it, it is, it's true. And, you know, there are coordinated misinformation campaigns. Um, and you can talk about who's actually coordinating these and doing what. But if you look at like Twitter, for instance, a lot of the trending topics are actually coordinated by these bots. And these bots just drive traffic and they drive conversation one way or the other. And it's always going to be on one extreme end or the other, whether it's very liberal or very conservative. They tie in people's ideologies and their political connections and affiliations, and they are dividing our world and they're dividing our country in real time. Uh, I'm not saying this as a political statement. It, it's just a fact and it's well known. That's happening on social media and we don't have a way of identifying that and curbing it. So I think it's really important for people to understand if you're seeing a lot of information out there that either it, it's, it doesn't make sense to you or it's, it's generating this huge emotional response in you, um, there's a good chance that that's being generated by these bots and it's just being elevated artificially and it's not actually what people are, are talking about. Um, so kind of keep that in the back of your mind and, and try to become a little more savvy when it comes to that. And then one last thing. Think through why you're on social media. Some people enjoy arguing and posting inflammatory comments, and you know they, they like being trolls or interacting with trolls, but a lot of people don't. So my advice, and this is something I follow myself, if you're reading something and it generates a huge emotional response in yourself, don't respond right away. Uh, there, you know, just like don't ever send an angry email. Sleep on it. It's always, it's always going to be better tomorrow. Give it some time, walk away. So if you're reading something that makes you just so mad with rage, try to resist that urge to respond right away because that's what they want. That's the whole reason they're doing it in the first place. And you're just feeding those trolls and you're feeding that cycle. And you're never going to win that battle because uh, they'll always come back with more and more and more. And that's going to make you even more and more frustrated. So as much good as there is on social media, I think we can all be more and more savvy about all the bad stuff that's out there as well and, and really protect ourselves from it. Dr. Dave, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you sharing all of your social media insight. It is very apparent you are our food allergy and asthma social media guru, and we just appreciate you, again, taking the time to educate us and bring up good conversation points and things for us to ponder. Thank you very much. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes and be sure to connect with us on social media. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.